Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. Glad to have you with us again today in this exciting series from Warren Litzman called Jesus and Paul. Let me remind you first, though, that this program is produced weekly by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, christ-life.org. Now, let's get into part six of this amazing study. Here's Warren. Galatians chapter one. We are continuing to deal with the verses in verse 15 and 16. We're going to finish verse 16 by dealing only with the first line. The evangelism part of the latter lines of verse 16 are another subject, and we can get into those some other time. But I'm interested in the first line of verse 16. But when it, uh, to, to reveal his son in me, that's all we're going to talk about. To reveal his son in me. Now the next line says that I might preach, and and I tell you, everybody that gets that revelation wants to preach. Uh, that's how they move closer and closer to fellowship with us because when you get a hold of this idea that Christ is your life, you begin to preach it, and where you preach it, they don't accept it. And so you're pushed closer and closer to fellowship with those of like faith. But I want to talk to you about <coughs> the last two words in that first line, in me. In me, I want to get this solved and settled with you. This is the most glorious thing the Apostle Paul ever says in this personal testimony. And it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, revealed his son in me. What a testimony that is. That's earth shaking because that's the first time in the history of the world, the history of the universe, since creation, that such a thing as that could be said in me. The first time it's ever said, Christ in me. I'm making a point of that because if you're not careful, you'll miss what I'm saying during this conference. I'm talking about Christ, the Son of God. He only has one Son. You understand the, the truth of the one Son. He only has one Son. For instance, when God looks in this room tonight, He only sees one Son. Tomorrow we'll get into the word mystery. And the great mystery of godliness is how God has put the one son in every body member, in every believer. Same son in every one of us. One son. He has one son. He put the one son in every one of us. That's the great mystery of godliness. But all of us are different, so the one son comes out of every one of us different but he only has one son. That one son, this is the essence of what I'm saying this week, that one son was in Jesus of Nazareth, in the body that was given to him by Mary. That body ministry was different. He had come to Israel. 
He plainly says that. Do you get that in your mind? He plainly said that, that he had come only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That same son was crucified on the cross and that Mary body was completely destroyed in death. It was destroyed by our sin that was poured into that body. That's another subject and sometime we may talk about that. But it was the same Jesus who died that was birthed by Mary and the same Jesus that was in that body given to him by Mary, hang on the cross, delivered his spirit back to the Father and died and was resurrected and went back to the Father, the same Jesus. He returns on the day of Pentecost in a new body called the body of Christ, still the same Jesus. He first occupied a body given to him by a human. He next occupies a body made up of those humans, for many are in the one body. Same Jesus. God's never changed sons, but it's very difficult for us to assimilate that because we can't see Jesus in these two different forms. But I encourage you to let the Holy Spirit teach you there. The In Christ message is a message that will greatly encourage and help you on this subject. Our statistics say that the term in Christ, in whom, in whom, in him, in whom, or whatever, is used by the Apostle Paul 164 times. The reason this becomes important is because the in Christ message settles every other truth or doctrine given by the Apostle Paul. Why didn't Paul continue to preach Peter's message from the day of Pentecost? Because it was not an in Christ message. Why didn't Paul preach the works of Jesus of Nazareth? Because it wasn't an in Christ message. When did Paul begin to preach Jesus of Nazareth? For you remember 2 Corinthians 5 and 16, we no longer know Christ in the flesh. So that separates Jesus to a great extent. It separates him to his death. Paul is the greatest teacher on the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus there is in the Bible. Why does he pick up Jesus of Nazareth and begin to talk to him at that point? Why? Because that's the first in Christ position for the human being. I was not in Christ at the Cana of Galilee. I was not in Christ when he walked on the water. I was not in Christ, and he wasn't in me when he raised the dead. But I was in Christ on that cross, Romans 6. That's in Christ's position. That's different. That's when I was first in him. That's when I was first connected with him. You got that in your mind? You got Romans tapes here? You need to live in them until you see Romans 6. They have Romans 6, uh, Roman tapes here anywhere? You need to live in Romans 6 till you get that fixed. You see, the problem you have in Christianity is you don't understand how you came about. 
You didn't come about because you got a changed life. That's where our misconception of Christianity is, that we've all got changed life. You can look around at most Christians and not see much of a changed life. We didn't get a changed life. We got a whole new life. We got an exchange. It was an exchange of life. And the reason we don't see the exchange of life is we don't see our death. What's Romans 6 all about? Four times he said, you need to know this, you're dead. You're dead. You died when Christ died. His death on the cross is your death, not your death separated. The scripture said, you died with him. See, those little words are important. New Bibles change them all around. But we died with him, and that's what Paul has to tell us in his, in his message. We died with Christ. The first in Christ position is on the cross. You want to know how to straighten out your life? Start at the cross. You've got a big problem today you can't solve. If you're standing around today trying to solve that problem by what is current, you may have trouble. What do we do? We go back to our death. We go back to the cross. We not only died when he hang on the cross, I'm crucified with, W-I-T-H, with Christ, Galatians 2.20. When he was buried, I was buried with him. See, that's the other problem you have in the in Christ position. You can say you're dead, but still wiggle. <laughs> you need to be buried. What Paul does in his consecration passages like Philippians 3 where he says I suffer the loss of all things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord what Paul does there is bury himself I suffer the loss of everything that made me who I am for this greater knowledge that he that is in me is my life I was buried I resurrected with him that's our celebration now. I resurrected with him. That's what we celebrate every time we come together in a meeting. We celebrate the resurrection. We all resurrected with him. I'm not going to be resurrected spiritually. I am resurrected with Christ in his first resurrection. The first part of resurrection uh, has four parts to it, and the first part to it is Christ rose from the grave and theoretically, I rose from the grave with him. I'm still awaiting my resurrection in this body. But my spirit rose with him and ascended with him so that spirit-wise, I am in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places. That's in Christ's position. That's when it started. It started at the cross. So everything Paul teaches and everything he says is based on the in Christ message. Why? Why is it like that? The whole of the scriptures show that except Christ be in us, human beings are not acceptable to God. Now, you got that in your mind? That's what you got to get in mind. Get that in your mind, that you're never acceptable to God aside from Christ. Now, see, we've all been mistalked. I grew up in a religion 
that said, if you do everything we say, you'll be acceptable to God. And my, how we worked on that. We really worked on the women the hardest. They were the meanest. We had to, we had to straighten all them out. We had to get them dressed right and their hair fixed right. And, I mean, we really had to work on the women. You see, we had it in our mind that that's what made us acceptable to God. But you know something, not making fun of that, but you know something, that must have broken the heart of Jesus, if he could be, who already lived in those people who were saved. To think of all the effort they was going to to please God when Jesus knew nothing pleased God but him. Christ in us is our hope of glory. So Paul based everything we believed on that. That's why you read along in a verse and he'll say love in Christ, trust in Christ, believe in Christ. Nothing you do is separated from the in Christ position. That's a position you got when you were born again. You were put into Christ. That's not where you stand. You stand in a lot of different places. But your position is in Christ. That's the way God sees it. And that's what the Bible teaches. It's hard for us to accept a new life. You know what human beings consider a new life? Their old life made like they always wanted it to be. You see that? That's really what we wanted. We thought the new life in Christ was giving us a life like we always wanted. Well, you sure got disappointed, didn't you? Didn't work quite like that. Still, we got voices that are hollering everywhere. It still works, still works. It's an ignorance of Christ. When you ignore Christ, you can't have the life that was planned for you. So what happens when Jesus is birthed in you and you come to know it? What do you do with yourself? It's a love affair. And as you grow in the knowledge of Christ in you, that love affair means that everything you are and everything you hope to be has to be set aside from your viewpoint and let the creation of you by God be used by Christ. Let's see if I can put it this way. Every one of you were created differently by God to bring God glory. As a leaf on a tree brings God glory by waving, so does every human being bring glory to God in a special way. But of course you don't do that if you don't understand that. But you were created by God to bring Him glory. You never can make that work until you get the life that fits that glory. That's where the in Christ message came in. It was the thing that God gave to fit the life that brought him glory. Now, some were created to be highly talented. Some were... Uh, 
created to be great musicians, pianists, horn blowers, singers. Some were created to be mathematicians. They just, it's just there. Some were created to be loving and kind. You all were created by God for a certain thing. What is it? Hebrews uh, 12, is it? There we have the molds, seven different molds given that every one of us were created by God in one of those molds to bring Him honor and glory. But you see, you never made that work without Christ in you because the gift of God in you is incomplete without Christ. You can't make it work on your own. So let's say we have a famous musician who was born like Mozart. You were born to be a great musician, let's say a piano player. The moment you are born again, the Holy Spirit is going to move you in a direction that fits the in Christ position. This is what a Christian should be. Nothing of Christianity is going to take away that talent to play the piano. It's going to always be there. But something's going to happen in the mind because the piano playing in time is no longer going to be yours. It no longer is going to be you because you're going to get grip of this idea, I am crucified with Christ. All that I am is. But still, in me is this glorious talent of playing the piano. So what do you do? In time, it is not you who is gifted, it's him. I die that he may live. I play the piano, but it's his gift. It's his life. It's his power. It's His glory. That's what Paul's life is all about. Maybe you're a mathematician. Maybe you're a secretary. Maybe you're a lawyer. As you grow in grace, the in Christ position moves you more and more to the place that I no longer live. Christ is the lawyer. Christ is the mother. Christ is the secretary. Christ is the mechanic. You now move into what a Christian is. It's not God giving you supernatural power to do those things. It's getting your mind cleared that God created you in the first place for something. I wish I could tell everybody just what they were created for because most of us are not prodigies of any kind. We're something special to him, but not to each other, because I'm not a great music. I'm not a great anything. So most of us are kind of nothings. We think we're somebody, often. But even at that, Christ has to be our all. If you went through Paul's writings, you'd 
see those things like Christ is all, Christ is in all, Christ is all in all, Christ is this, Christ is that. Why does he do that? This is the unction, let's say, of the in Christ position. Once the Holy Spirit begins to reveal Christ in you, the life changes to where it is Christ. Now, I forget that sometimes. But I'm getting better at it that when I forget that it's Christ doing what it is that's being done, I quickly gather myself together and get it out of the way and get my mind set straight. If I'm doing something mechanical, and I'm not very mechanical at all, Sometimes I try to do it, and then I stop in the middle of it, and I say, Lord, you're better to this than I am. And you'd be surprised how that straightens out my attitude and spirit about what I'm doing. So I'm learning to live the Christ that's in me. I will never be Jesus of Nazareth. That bothers some people. Some people say, well, if the same Jesus is in you that was in Jesus of Nazareth, you ought to be doing the same works Jesus of Nazareth did. I could. I could if I had a perfect body like he had. That's the difference. He had a body that was made for him that was without sin. The Jesus that lives in me is full of grace for he lives in a body of sin that will never be saved till the resurrection morning. That's grace. So if I had a body given to me like Mary gave to Jesus, a prepared body, a special body, it would be different, but I don't have that. So I can't do all the things he did, and that isn't God's plan anyhow, because those were the outer things. What I can have is the very life of God in me, a partaker of God's nature. That I can have. So you see, everything we believe hinges on Christ being in us. This affects everything we do. Not only our work where we say, well, it is not I that labors, Christ that labors. But in our relationships, it is not I that deals with you, it's Christ as me that deals with you. You don't have to run around saying, well, this isn't me doing this, it's Christ. In time, you come to a place to where the I... It's Christ. You go through Paul's writings and you see, I do this, I do this, I say that, I say this. Why? We know now that the I is Christ. So I don't have to distinguish it. The distinguishing factor is in my mind. I've got to know in my mind when I say I, I mean Christ. I mean Christ. I'm going to come over to your house you need to know right away I'm coming as a Christ person. See? I'm going to buy something. You need to know right away the I that I said there is the Christ person. That's what you need to get fixed. That's where this living becomes spontaneous. Spontaneous. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be spontaneous all the time, to be what God intended we be? that you could just go ahead and live and know that all you did as an I was Christ. Well, right now we're starting the stage of crucifying the I, trying to get 
self out of the way, but the time comes that the self is a Christ self. You get that fixed. That's what a bona fide son of God is. That's what John meant, I think, think when he said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. I think it might have been prophetic to a degree, but I think by the time he wrote, he could see that, that Christ in us made us bona fide sons of God, and we could say that. That's what we are. Now, that doesn't start a special club or, or uh, anything, sons of God, but we're all that, sons and daughters of God by birthing. So the in Christ position becomes the, the foundation for all truth that the Apostle Paul gives. My whole thought to you this weekend is how Paul becomes a manifestation of Jesus Christ. And I hope what will rub off on you is that I too am a manifestation of Jesus Christ. If I do wrong, that's my manifestation because the only life a Christian has is Christ. You have that down? The only life you have is Christ. There's not two of you. One of you got crucified and the other came in resurrection power. So there's not two of you. There's just Christ. If you do bad, that's a bad manifestation of Christ. If you lie, if you steal, if you do ungodly things or anything contrary to your knowledge, that's a poor manifestation of Christ. You're a manifestation of Christ whether you like it or not if you're a Christian because God doesn't have any other kind of salvation. He doesn't have some good Christians and some bad Christians. The good Christians have Christ in and the bad Christians don't. No such thing. You're a manifestation of Christ in whatever you do. What makes that manifestation right? The creation of God as you. Now you know what you're doing in your earthly walk. I've, I've always pondered, why do some live a long time and some live a short time? Why do some have an easy life and others have a hard life? Why? Well, I think I know a little bit about it now because your only purpose in being here is to clarify your manifestation of Christ. To find out who you are. Now, you may be a lifetime doing that. Most of us, not being prodigies, don't know what we got as a gift. We're still floating around trying to see what is life all about, who am I, how come I'm here, and why was I born in South Africa, and why in the world I get the parents I had. You have all these questions of life, you see. What you really are doing in living is finding out who you are. Who you are. I don't like to give myself as much of a illustration, but I can right here because I don't know any other. When I came into the Christ life, I didn't have the slightest idea who I really was. I tell you who I thought I was. I thought I was God's man for this hour. See, that's what I thought. 
And in the years that's gone by, little by little, Christ in me has brought me to the understanding of who I was created to be. And I can tell you now what that is. I was created by God to stand before a group like this and preach Christ. See, I wasn't created by God to preach to the big masses I preached to. I never was really sold and happy on that. Uh, we bought and ran a television station. That didn't fit me either. I didn't like that. I uh, have done a whole lot of things in life trying to win souls and do things for God. None of that fit. You know what fits me? Talking to you. Whether I talk to five people, 500 or 5,000, doesn't matter. I know now I was created by God to bring this message. I'm not special. I'm not great. I just know that's me. That's the only thing that's ever fit me in my whole life, and I'm old enough now to know what some of life is about. You understand that? What are you doing in life? You're finding out who you are. When the in Christ message grips you, you come face to face psychologically for the first time with your person. What is it Jesus is going to use? If he's in me, how's he going to get out of me? He's going to get out of you like you are. It's Christ in you as you. He comes out of you like you are. If you're a mean person, that's the way he comes out. Hopefully that'll change by love. If you're a griping person, that's the way Jesus is going to come out of you. Why? That's the only life you got. You don't have another. The other life you think you're living was crucified. Whether you like it or not, to God it's dead. So he doesn't look at you and say, well, you didn't really get dead on the cross with Jesus, so you're really not crucified, and I know you're right back there where you were. In that case, you're not saved. No wonder you're having a problem. But if you were born again, you were crucified with Christ, and now the new life, the new creation life is coming forth. It's a whole new race of people. The born again are a new race of people. Remember, God only has three races in this book. He has Jews and Gentiles and the born again. Only three. There are no ethnic groups to God. There are no ethnic groups in grace. There's just Jews, Gentiles, and then you're born again. So how is he going to get out of you if you don't understand, if you haven't learned him, if you don't know him, because he's going to come out of you like you are. You say, how do I know he's in me? This book tells you. There's no other kind of salvation. Then how do I grow in him coming out of me? Watch how he comes out of you. You got a bad temper? That's a misuse of his life and his power. You scheme, try to outwit people, that's a misuse of his presence in you. Because however he comes out of you, 
is the only life you have. You were born again. Do you have that in your mind? Or do you still think you're a half sinner and half saint? You think you're still an Adamite? Maybe you think you're a South African. Not to God. When you were born again, you are of the new creation race. You see, it's what we got in our mind that determines our salvation. You say, then what is grace? Grace is whether you know any of this stuff I'm talking to you about or not. doesn't matter. You're still saved. But why would anybody want to live in that kind of ignorance? Why wouldn't you want to find out how God created you, made you? I run into people constantly uh, who are frustrated in life. I could tell you story after story of frustrated Christians. Dear hearts, never worked out right. I've worked with hundreds of pastors and wives, and I've seen a great percentage of them that were mismarried, unhappy. It never was what life ought to be. A young woman told me not long ago, she said, I could have been outstanding, but she said, I never got a break in life. I said, how do you know that? She said, I, I don't know how I can put my finger on it, but she said, all my life I've known there was something more about me than I knew or anybody else knew. And she said, I've lived in the confines of that ignorance and have been frustrated all my life. I have a doctor friend. He said to me one day, he said, since I know Christ in me, he said, I don't want the verge of leaving medicine. Oh, I said, what are you going to do? He said, I don't know, but he said, medicine isn't it. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I know God made me for something else. He said, I'm in medicine because my daddy and mama wanted me there. You know why I'm talking like this? I want you to think in your mind of why Christianity is like it is. That it's a multitude of human beings in whom God has put Christ and he's put there to bring glory to God by the creation of God in their lives. And they're frustrated and confused. The Baptists want to duck them all and the Methodists want to sprinkle them all. You see, we don't know who we are. We don't even have a feeling for who we are. And we're going to die like that. There's more than one of you listening to me now who can look back over your life and say, I wish I had done this or that. What I've done in life has never fit me. has never been just right. Most of us are like that at one stage or another. I talked like this one time in a meeting. I guess I might have told you this before, but it was a crowded room, very crowded, and the chairs were right up against me where I was talking, people sitting there, 
and there was an old man and lady who had come in late. And it looked like he slept during the meeting, and he couldn't hear what I was hearing either. But when I got down to the point I am right now in this, he looked over her and out loud, so everybody heard him. He said, do you think I'm old enough to know what he's talking about? <laughs> she said, shh. He looked up at me and he said, do you think I could still find out who I am? I'm 80-something. And I was charged by that. I said, absolutely. I said, it's refreshing that you've got a hold of even the thought that what God created you to be is in the offing for you. about you you see we can't change your circumstances most of them can't be changed most of you are pretty set home job family you're pretty set it's a fool that runs off from his present circumstances and doesn't face them You're set. So what does the in Christ message mean to you? It means that where you are right now in life is where Jesus needs to surface in your life and handle where you are right now. Handle the situation. Handle the life. Instead of you beating yourself over the head saying, I'm going to get faith and get out of this problem, It'd be so much better if you could say, Jesus, this is your problem. I rest in you. I'm going to learn of you so that I actually have the ability to let go of this problem and not be afraid. I'm going to let go of it and not be afraid. I'm going to believe that you can and will help me, that you'll work out of me. Dear friends, it's a crying shame the world doesn't know what a Christian is. You know when we were first called Christians? Over at Antioch. Paul never called us Christians. He said we were in Christ. And we think maybe the, the Christian word came from Christ I amers. Don't know that, but somebody said that. He never used the term Christian. He used another term, which will be our subject tomorrow, the mystery. But being in Christ was so important to the Apostle Paul that there wasn't anything he believed that wasn't established on the in Christ principle. Now, I've talked to you all day, and I hope I said something that you got a hold of. Because I want you to see <clears throat> how important it is to have Christ in you. I'm going to give you a few thoughts. You want to write them down, you can. But I'm going to give you some one-line thoughts that have to do with the in Christ position. Number one, you are transferred, translated from one dominion to another. 
by in Christ's position. We're all translated into the kingdom of his dear son. Number two. The knowledge that you have of the in Christ position determines who you are and what you do for Christ. The knowledge of who you are in Christ determines who you are. The knowledge of being in Christ determines who you are and what you do for Christ. I'll go slow, try to get it the first time. Number three, the Apostle Paul says that the in Christ position is central to all New Testament graces. The in Christ position is central to all New Testament graces. In other words, you have nothing in grace aside from Christ in you. Not Christ outside of you. Are you getting it? It is not you sitting there praying, Lord, come and help me. It's not you saying, Lord, I'm in trouble. Come and help me. It's you saying, Christ in me is my help. Another great week of another great study. This has been part number six of Jesus and Paul presented by Warren Litzman and the Christ Life Fellowship. Now, don't forget to go to our website, christ-life.org. Look all around, read all about us, and be sure to go to the bookstore because Warren has left behind so many valuable teaching tools, books, audio tapes, videotapes. Check it out, christ-life.org. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week to bring you these wonderful sessions. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycock does the weekly podcast note. And this program is produced weekly by the wonderful Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.